0: Hello and welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast. Episode 74. My name is Kyle Versteeg, and I'm here with uh, James Noka. And, uh, Hello, guys. We have a pretty exciting show on tap for you. Just a couple of brief topics to cover uh, before we get into some interviews. And I have uh, actually three interviews that I think you'll like. Uh, names all listed in the show notes, and I won't uh, burden you with all of that. So... Uh, Anyway, let's see what, oh, Jerry Hom, uh, just had a pre-order on Blade HQ for the Hom Designs Spectre, which is a balisong, And I liked his, uh, Hom Prodigy so much that I ordered a Spectre. Uh, and I think the, the, uh, pre-orders were for, uh, 300 different knives and it sold out in, I think 20 hours total. Mhm. So. Uh, Did It's pretty good. So that was knives that he had already made, or he is. I think they're. I think they're made. Um, I think they. They said three weeks from the time you pre-order to delivery. Okay. So there's so no were... way uh with 300 knives you're going to be able to make 300 of balisongs in three weeks. Right. Right. It's just right. not going to happen. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. I also uh, finally broke down and ordered a uh, bussy Team Gemini Light Brigade <laughs> Daryl's <laughs> thing. Although I think he has like the heavier version. Um, I think the Light Brigade differs in that it's lighter weight, um, but it's the same blade profile and stuff. So, and I got uh, Dwayne Keith Puckett to make me a Daryl sheath. Be so you funny. make it
1: exactly, did you ever get a picture of that, of that knife and sheath combination?
0: His? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's well, all what's over the, the internet. What's
1: the, what's the sheath look like?
0: It's just a uh, a standard looking sheath. Like, it's not, just Google uh, walking dead sheath. It's like okay. pretty standard stuff.
1: Who made it, do you know?
0: Uh, I have no idea.
1: I'm gonna come. I'm going to, to um, get my hands on a, pig, Bark River pig sticker. If you haven't seen one of those yet, Hmm, cool. They're very neat. Mm-hmm. They're very very cool. Uh-huh. And uh, but besides that, I picked up a, excuse me, a yawn. I picked up a um, uh, a Victor Knox tinker the other day for. 7.99 <laughs>
0: oh wow how'd you get that deal
1: <laughs> I, I don't know i was on a closeout rack i was like what well, are you kidding me 7.99 i'll buy those all day for 7.99
0: well that's probably what their cost was and they're not going to carry them anymore or something
1: exactly it's and that, and that's a pretty good knife i don't understand why why they would you know i don't know kind of a weird thing you know it was at a tractor supply but
0: uh-huh yeah they're probably just uh not going to carry them anymore would be my guess yeah.
1: So you, uh, uh, you had a good time. I mean, sp- spring has sprung up here. When you come back up here, it's a whole new world now. hmm Um, uh, the Orioles are in the, in the house. Nice. So we're all we're all excited about that. Kathy asked me the other day if she thought uh, she should put some uh, grape jelly out, and uh, I said you better because you're gonna miss out on them. Uh-huh. And uh, so yesterday she said, oh, I didn't see any Orioles yet. And today I saw one. So they're here. I mean, it's it's uh what is what's the date today? May fifth, mm-hmm. cinco cinco de mayo. So we're gonna celebrate a Mexican victory on cinco de mayo, <laughs> the 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 only victory in a war that they lost.
0: What what? <laughs> I, I I honestly I don't I don't know enough about Mexican history to even.
1: Yeah, I thought it was uh, like
0: their version of Independence Day.
1: Well, yeah but it's a war that they lost it was it was well they're was independent
0: to be. right so did they lose it if they're independent i think it was uh i don't know but uh no i i don't know enough about
1: well they their say it's a source of pride but i think it was um it was a um, uh, Mexicans victory over French forces at the Battle of puebla under leadership of uh um Another another
0: guy. It's
1: oh. sometimes mistaken as as Mexico's Independence Day.
0: See, I was wrong. That t- shows yeah. you how much I know about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it
0: was uh, it was
1: basically when the when the uh, it must have been in a rebellion, um, and the Mexican army beat the French forces in one spot. But it was a battle that they it was a war that they lost.
0: Hmm.
1: So it was one battle in a war that they lost.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, I have, I did not know that. It was always pitched to me as Mexican version of 4th of July, so... Yeah, yeah. so you might as
1: well uh, um, just be eating tacos today anyways, just for the hell of it.
0: Well, I was, I I forgot about the whole Cinco de Mayo thing until, like, late in the day. Somebody sent me a happy Cinco de Mayo thing, and uh, my wife uh, forgot about it, too, so we're having chicken salad sandwiches with chicken noodle soup <laughs> and a salad. That then sounds awesome. I'm on this crazy what, diet. I'm the suffering. The only reason the only reason why
1: Cinco de Mayo is pretty good is because we go to Red Mesa Grill and they have that the, like the best margaritas ever.
0: Yeah, I got to be careful with that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. I um, can't I can't uh
1: You're off you're off the sauce for a while now?
0: Oh god. No, I've said it before. <laughs> 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 you, <laughs> promise to do better this time. You got to be an Olympic drinker, man. Yeah, I can't do that either. You
1: just, you just got to get tuned up, man. Mm-hmm. You're moving up into the Olympic drinking area area now.
0: Nah, I'm gonna try I'm, to be a good boy. I,
1: I'm, I'm telling you that 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 area where you're moving to, there's hell. They they built wineries and vineyards and shit because they couldn't get enough wine shipped up here. Yeah. Well, and and now that and now they got distilleries that are distilling whiskey because they can't get the whiskey people to ship up enough whiskey.
0: Well, and <laughs> it doesn't help that I just the house that I'm buying is literally just over the hill on Old Mission Peninsula from the Jolly Pumpkin. Is it walk? It's walking distance. Uh, well, I don't think. Well, I I haven't. I mean, I haven't like paced it out or anything. I think you probably could walk it, especially if you snuck through all the woods and stuff and. Like stealth well, over I was there. just
1: thinking a way to get home.
0: Well, I that's if you the ever, thing. If I would. No, I never do that. I either have a designated driver or I do not drink. You will never ever see me get behind the wheel of a car with any alcohol in me.
1: I'm I'm gonna laugh um, when I see your wife drunk.
0: Oh well, if that happens, then I can't drink anything, and she she doesn't drink much either. So we well, both drink much Well, I'll tell you, sometime works.
1: when you guys are up here spending the night, you'll be like. We'll sit by the campfire and toast
0: marshmallows and get all snockered. No, <laughs> I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so I'm, you know, what can I say? <clears throat> um, new things in my life.
1: I got a new uh, forge. Oh, cool. Yep, I got a new. Uh, cat for- it's um, y- you know, you said it was a. Uh, you said it might be a uh, farriers forge i'm I'm not sure if it is or isn't but it's it's cast iron the yeah. the the bowl is cast iron and it's square yeah most of them are and it's got a um uh is it a gemini no you, is, you're thinking it's a um the the blower champion champion blower yep yeah champion blower gear blower um I haven't had a fire in it yet um, I was it was kind of funny because I was thinking I'm just going to go through and replace all the screws on it, you know, to tighten it up because it's kind of wobbly. Yeah. And I was looking at the way the damn stand is made. It's like, well, no wonder it's wobbly. There's, it's not supported right.
0: Yeah. The well, thing is, it's like, probably some guy just did some jank ass job on it or something.
1: Out out of the box, it's kind of funny. It's it doesn't. Uh, it's not like one of the better ideas for a stand. Yeah. So. Um. So then I got a pair. Uh, the other new thing I got is a pair of mule high cowboy boots. Nice. I'm uh kind of going backwards a little bit in my in my footwear. I you know, I I wear the hell out of cowboy boots. Yeah, I love I, them. Uh, I haven't had a pair of cowboy boots on since for probably 25 years. And I got a pair of Justin uh, 1122s which apparently are touted as being, I don't know if you can see these or not. Touted as being their... Hold it up their, so I can uh, see the toe.
0: Like so it's a round toe. No? Yeah. Uh, pointy toe.
1: Yeah, pointy toe. Okay. And um apparently these are touted as being some of the best boots that they ever made. For some reason I don't know why. I haven't I haven't found that much information about it. But uh but they're very, very comfortable. And um mm-hmm. they're made out of they're made out of mule hide, which I think is kinda cool. Yeah. So they are they're a work boot yeah, uh, no, but they kind of look like a dress boot, so
0: I'm pretty happy. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I have I have um, two different pairs that I wear. One is a little bit dressier, and the other one is the one that I've worn around you a lot. It's got, it's still, I mean, it's it should be considered a work boot, but they look pretty nice because I I don't like go kicking around in cow shit in my cowboy boots. You right. Know? I I wear like crappy boots for that i don't know why anybody would want to wear a expensive pair of boots to go tromping through cow shit but right you right know. right
1: um
0: but they're yeah, so i think I... both of my pairs are made by lariat and one has a pointed toe kind of like yours and the other one is square and i like yeah. the square ones better
1: Do you?
0: yeah on for all... me I, I i mean i i'm not saying in general i like the square toads better but out of my two pairs i like the square toed one better
1: yeah, so I think I'm going to be, uh, um, you know, wearing them for, you know, it's it's like a little, I don't, I have some dress shoes, but not a lot of them, but I don't ever have any, I don't have any of those in-between shoes, you know, where you're going out for the evening and you're going to wear a blazer and a pair of jeans and a nice shirt, and I don't really have anything nice to wear with that, you know, so. Yeah, I, think, I, wear, uh, I
0: wear cowboy boots a lot with that combination and in yeah. that setting. That's yep. that's when I think they are the best.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, so we'll see. Not, yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, well, let's see. I had a couple other things to talk about. I wanted to draw everyone's attention. I don't know if it's sold yet uh, to Newton Martin. You can find him on Facebook. He's the guy that's making all those crazy hollow-handled uh, Rambo, Rambo knives that I drool over. But... Uh, he has a a beautiful one that he just finished up on his Facebook page for sale. Uh, I don't know if it's sold yet, but it it is gorgeous. What um, he was asking, just,
1: what seven ninety five for it?
0: Something like that. But I, I'd say for for what you're getting, it's totally worth it. I mean that yeah. that is an awesome handmade, you know, custom now, knife.
1: Do you think he's doing that with a Bridgeport?
0: Yeah, he's got a the. Um, for sure the for sure he has to have a mill otherwise he would not be able to do the uh the teeth on the spine because there it's not like you can just take a file and do that because there's a hot, there's a channel down the center of it mhm so he for sure has to have some sort of a mill and then I don't know if they mill their own handles or not no i i think yeah. so.
1: there's another company that i know that does those for him
0: Hmm. Yeah, I got to, maybe someday I'll make a hollow handle, Um but not right now. Uh, <laughs> so, drawing attention to that, um, I got some good advice from Ethan Becker and uh, Mr. T.M. Hunt to uh, take, a, uh, like, a community college course in machining. And I think after I get moved, I'm going to try to do that.
1: Without any further ado, <clears throat> do you want to uh, get after the interviews?
0: Well, let me, let me read one, um, user email because I still have a little bit of time here before somebody, uh, comes to look at my house. Okay. So our friend from, uh, Croatia writes, Hey, uh, just got back from Brussels a few days ago and I'm still catching up on the podcast, but damn, do I have sad news? Brussels is overrun by hipsters. It's a <laughs> hipster apocalypse. Uh, although it did give me a new hobby for a month photo-bombing all those damn selfies. It was like shooting fish in a barrel. Since I've uh, since spent some time researching uh, historical documents for my job there, I'm starting to think that Vlad Tepes uh, might have had the best idea yet in how to deal with those jackoffs. So I don't know who Vlad Tepes is, but... Um, <laughs> it, pro-
1: it probably wasn't a very pleasant thing.
0: No, maybe, you know... We'll have to f- figure out what that meant. Um, uh, but uh, on the other hand, Brussels is a really nice city, and most people are quite friendly and helpful, even to an oblivious hillbilly such as myself. The food is good, but they should give mayo a rest for a few decades. Uh, he says, put, uh, since I, put I I've on heard everything. you talk about this on uh, episode 71... Can you expand on the topic of backpacking stoves? Which ones do you like? Which have you tried and can guarantee? What is your stance on multi-fuel fuel stoves that take wood, alcohol, gel, and tablets? And seriously, what is so wrong with a good old folding esbit stove since it's been doing the same damn thing for ages now? <coughs> so, nothing, uh, nothing, and nothing. Right. Well, so so here's my thing um, with. Uh, Backpacking stoves if you can only buy one and it has to be bomb proof and dependable and you don't want to Mess around with having all these different things and different things for this application and different for this Just go and get an MSR whisper light uh, That can burn you know the fuel from the little bottle so it'll burn the uh, camping fuel and uh unleaded gas and you know those sorts of things Um the problem I have with most of the stoves that claim to be able to handle wood and heat fuel equivalently uh, are that the fireboxes are too small uh, and it requires too much effort to actually burn wood in the damn things.
1: Well, you um, can, I mean, when it gets to the, I mean, if you're worried about burning wood, can't you just uh um, put two rocks on either side of a little fire and put your shit over the top of that? I mean,
2: do you well really that's typical that's
0: well that's usually what I've done is um you know just build a little keyhole fire ring right. right so it looks like the keyhole on those old doors that use skeleton keys and then um I build the fire in the circle and then I let it burn down to some coals and then I push the coals back in that key slot there and then I can put a pot on the rocks to support it and stuff um and the the other thing I would say is that I get more bang for my buck, um, bringing a whisper light. And then if I have to cook over over uh, wood, then I have my moors pot with me. Uh, and I can either, since it's got a bale, I can either suspend it, r- rig up some sort of a suspension thing. Or, you know, if I've got a grate or, you know, something that I can cook on, I can just rest it on there. So um, if I, if I could only buy one, which thankfully i don't have to worry about but if i could only buy one stove i would buy an msr whisperlite
1: mm-hmm. what about you oh.
0: and i can vouch yeah. for those in all climates oh. all weathers all altitudes like, Yeah, they're freaking bombproof right i just like the sphere stove you know yeah.
1: I, I i i it's more i think it's more compact i guess oh, i have actually a, I,
0: it's 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 heavier and bulkier. Yeah.
1: Yep. Well, I don't know about heavier and bulkier because you got cords. It is. And bags. I've, I've and... weighed it.
0: Well, I know it's yeah, heavier, but I, I know yeah, it's heavier the, by ounces. By yeah, quite a bit. But, um, but, but my the, ball,
1: uh, my my balls weigh more than your balls. So what difference does it make?
0: <laughs> well, the, <laughs> the, the 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 reason I would bring up the weight issue is, um, you know, and like I know hiking. I know I
1: know they are heavier. They're, but they're not that much heavier.
0: Yeah. I mean, what,
1: I mean, they're what are they? Like five ounces difference in weight? What was? I mean, what was the number? I don't remember the number. So I, help me out here. I know
0: it wasn't that much. Oh, difference. I don't. I don't know. I'd have to reweigh it, but I know that the Svia stove is significantly heavier because it's a solid piece of brass. Um, and it, you know, the. I guess you might have a point about the bulk because of the hose that you kind of yeah. have to wrap up.
1: Yeah. You got to. Um, I mean, it's not. not it's and, and I don't think that any one, I, I mean, both of them are great stoves. I have one of. The, I have a whisper Light too. I think the whisper Light is louder. I think yeah, it the is. two stoves, the WhisperLite is is a lot louder. And yeah, and it doesn't really the,
0: bother me though.
1: No, no, but it's been to the point though that I've had people say, "God damn, that stove is loud." Yeah. You know, and t- so it's not like, and I don't notice it because I'm half deaf, but but I always thought I, I can tell the difference in the sound. It, it is heavier i think it heats up faster what does i think the whisper light heats faster than the than the yeah. stove does
0: i mean it, we'd, we'd have to get some we'd have to i mean you could easily figure out how many btus each yeah. one of those stoves is putting out at max just by heating a known volume of water correct. in the same container correct um but, but but i
1: do but i do think that it i i think just by looking at the flame i think uh-huh. the flame on the on the whisper light is, is more than the flame on yeah. the stove. I it, think there's, it, I mean, it just actually Looking is. at it, it looks like it is.
0: Yeah, um, it does. It, in my, in my opinion, it puts out a lot more heat. Yep. Yep. Um, Hence, and a lot. And, more and that's flame. why,
1: that's why they're louder. And if yeah. you're in a, if you're in an area like a, you know, the, like a wilderness area that you don't yeah. want to blow out every bird in the countryside to stay away from you, um, Probably that wouldn't be the first choice, but I, I see. I don't see that much difference in the weight. Um, yes, there is weight difference, but it's nice to have something that's totally compact with a little cup on the top of it. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, six, I, six I to a, one half a dozen the other. You know, you still have to carry yeah. an extra fuel bottle. If you were, if yeah. you're just going for like a day, an overnight, you maybe you don't need to. All you, all you're going to do is heat up some water for your, for your. Um, uh, your dinner, you know, because yeah. you're gonna have a, a self-contained dinner, um, and some coffee. Then you don't have to take an extra fuel bottle. You can, you know, you can use it as a contained unit. Yeah, and, and There's, probably yeah. have enough fuel for 24 hours without any trouble, as opposed to carrying the whole big bottle of fuel. You know. Yeah, I, it's, and and, it's, and
0: the and the, the if you combine the the big bottle of fuel. With the Whisper Light, then you're talking about a lot more bulk, but you also have a lot more fuel capacity there. Yeah, correct. You know, so, um, so, yeah, I mean, a- you gotta, you gotta kind of decide on your own. As far as the mechanism, I, I don't see that there's any difference between the mechanism no. on the Svia and the Whisper Light. It's the no, same think, damn stove. Yeah,
1: I think they are. And I think if you look at all of those stoves, those Optimus stoves that I have, I have several, like five of them. And they're all mm-hmm. they're all almost exactly the same. And when they mm-hmm. when they fail, they all fail exactly the same way. <laughs> and yeah. it's always it's always there's a little bit of grit in the needle valve, and you got to take it apart and blow it out and clean it and put it back together, and it'll work mm-hmm. just fine. I mean, they're but they're all literally the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the, that is the nice part about those stoves. They're they're really they're nice for that for that reason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Pretty easy, but. <clears throat> did you happen to watch that video I sent you a link to? Uh,
0: which one was that?
1: I on the on Skype. I just sent you a link on Skype. I got an oh. email from uh, from Brian S. and he said apparently using your blood as a sharpening lubricant is all the rage today. And what? Uh, yeah, for real? Watch, yes, watch that video. This guy. This did guy. he just uh,
0: accidentally cut? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. No, this. Yeah, that's that. Uh, that's that Japanese guy. Yeah. And I don't think he's I don't think he's using using it as I don't think that was intentional. Like I think he <laughs> I I think he rubbed off the outer layers of his skin. Yeah. In fact, I know that's what happened cuz I've seen this video before and uh Isn't and, that crazy? Um, yeah. yeah. He he just he That guy he, he's the guy that takes all the uh Bark River um stuff and like sharpens it to like ridiculous levels yeah um but he also kills like a hundred deer a year and cleans them out um so the guy actually does kind of know what he's doing well
1: i tell you what he'd be doing it with sore fingers after that video
0: yeah no kidding it's not that would,
1: that would freaking hurt i mean i uh, yeah that would freaking hurt yeah but i thought I, you know if you get a chance i i don't know if i'll uh, maybe i'll face maybe i'll uh I'll Twitter this out yeah. and uh and see what uh see what comes of it but no that's a I mean we're we're excited about spring has sprung here like I said the orioles are here um you know we're oh and the other thing did you see my um did you see my my Twitter post today
0: no i don't the, I'm not uh, on Twitter all that much
1: yeah the um I think it went on Facebook, too, uh, to, to have a um, a challenge, a, a Draw Muhammad challenge.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't put you know, my name on that. <laughs>
1: why? I <laughs> think we should. I don't want to get blowed up. <laughs> I think we should. I think we should. I think we should. And every freaking jihadist that comes and tries to stop us, uh, I think we they should be answered.
0: Well, they, they, you know, the thing is, is like, that's all well and fine, but... I'd rather not have to shoot somebody. <clears throat> you know, I, I'd rather not have to shoot somebody. <laughs> but, uh, but, but you have like experience and I don't. So, you know, and I, I, it would cause many, many complications for me if I actually had to shoot someone. So I'm not like going around looking for you know, to set a mouse trap so that a jihadi well, you know, comes after me. You know,
1: I I saw the other day, and it, I was kind of de- upset by it. Was this um, jumping on the flag uh, challenge? You know, uh. for some so for some reason they need they want to jump on the flag. and They lay a flag down on the ground. And they jump up and down on it and shout profanities at at America. Uh. And I thought, you know, maybe it's time for us to start taking back our country.
0: Well, I, I wouldn't argue with that. Um, that sounds reasonable to me. Uh, remember, there is an election coming up in 2016, and that's a perfect opportunity for people to do just that.
1: Yep, yep.
0: But uh, anyway, well, so we have uh, three great interviews to get to here.
1: Yep. So we'll, we'll uh, catch you on the backside of this. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. We'll take a a break, and then you'll go to your interviews, and then we'll come back and say, see you later, or what? Yeah, sounds good. Okay.
3: Bark River Knives
4: offers the best combination of ultra-modern CNC components and old-world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand-convex, ground-and-sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers.
0: Tell us what your name is, and how do we find you?
4: My name is Tate Coyle, uh, you can find me on my website, um, Coyle Outdoors at C-O-Y-L-E Outdoors.com. Uh, if you want to email me, it's at tate at Coyle Outdoors.com.
0: Uh-huh. And uh, the reason I wanted to have him on is he's doing some really neat um, sheaths and also uh, modifications to different Becker knives. Um, and. One of the main reasons he's on is the the details that he puts into his work. Um, So, like for the sheaths, you went to the trouble on on the leather sheaths that you're doing of there's all these little things like you know rounding over the edges that not everybody does, and then uh, you know just the way that you set up um, the hedgehog leatherworks uh, retention. (coughs) yeah yeah how you've got that to spring open, and by the way, he actually pays,
4: yeah, but I license that from Paul yeah. because that's to me that's one of the
0: right if you're gonna have a leather sheath
4: with you know a retention strap that's made out of leather and you put in a sharp knife and I mean that to me that's one of the best ways I've seen yeah to do it, so why reinvent it when when, when if, it, if I'm able to, you know to yeah. reuse his his design which is great, yeah, but then then you added on to that design. Um, I've changed a few things to kind of make it my
0: own. And, yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah. And then uh, you've got, around your neck, you've got a BK-11. And I could not figure out, just looking at it, how he turned a BK-11 into what he's holding. And I'm, I'm going to post a, uh, well, I already, by the time you read hear this, I will have posted on Instagram uh, a picture of, his neck knife uh, on top of a BK 11. And you, you can see how it was done, and it's really cool. Um, yeah.
4: yeah. It's basically made a little skinner I made. Yeah. I wanted like a little palm skinner where I can put choke all the way up, put my finger mm-hmm. all the way up on the tip, and just get in there. And, um, yeah. I've actually processed the whole white tail buck using just this
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, and then a BK 11. Um,
0: yeah. And it worked, you know, work great. Yeah. And then he's done. A, a lot of other really, really thoughtful mods to, uh, like the BK5, the BK15, a bunch of different knives. You've done some very thoughtful shape mods that actually change the knife enough that it's like a whole new knife. Different. Yeah. Um, so you should go to his website and check out some of those things. But I don't have a lot of them up there right now. Yeah.
4: But I will have them up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. On there, some pictures and stuff, and yeah, if somebody's interested in similar mods, you know I can do that <coughs> for them. Mm-hmm.
0: and um another thing that he's doing that's really, really cool is he's park he's taking and stripping the knives and then parkerizing them so um, why don't we start with how how do you strip the coating off of one of those knives? what process are you using so
4: Basically, I mean, like, so the coating, like, especially like, the K-Bar knives, the Beckers, it's a pretty rough coating. Yeah. Um, and if anyone's used it and you're cutting it's just not something I prefer. I prefer strip blades. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as getting the coating off, I usually use some kind of chemical stripper. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think this last time I used... It's like a clean strip, some kind of yeah. some kind of something on there. Yeah. Um, put that on, do a couple coats of it, and then take a razor blade and scrape off the rest. Yeah. Um, and then I basically sand because there's a lot of grind marks and stuff, so I take take a sander and grind sand out all the grind marks in the blade. Um, and then as far as before I parkerize, I mean, I sand out if there's any major grind marks, anything I want mm-hmm. changed, and then I. Um, bead blast it, mm-hmm. you know, decrease it and all that stuff and get it ready to go mm-hmm. before I park it. Now, you
0: mentioned that there's uh, a real learning curve to parkerizing. For me, there was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, it, and that's the way um, anybody that's listened to the podcast knows all of my troubles. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the first time you try to do something, a lot of times. If you don't have a teacher ready at hand that can teach you that, um, figuring it out on yourself, even with all of the resources that are available on the internet, can be it's, very difficult. That, there's not that much on the internet from what i found. Yeah. There's only a couple of
4: videos, um, but as far as like the age... Cause I have, I've done a couple different brands of parkerizing solution, uh-huh. and like the first ones, they didn't tell me anything about the aging it and stuff like that, and I just wasn't getting... Great results all the time. Yeah. Um, and then get like getting it degreased and cleaned up properly, I mean that's like a big step.
0: Yeah. So in what, the process. What are you using to degrease them?
4: I mean I've been tried a bunch of different, different stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm still experimenting trying to find. Find the perfect. Find choice. find better ways. So I'm still. Yeah. 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 And then uh. So, the parkerizing solution, it's just one solution. It is. It's a. I believe it's some kind of. Some kind of acid, and then it's. Uh-huh. I use the manganese phosphate, yeah, and so it's it puts on a real black, yeah, coating. So it's actually like an acid etch, kind of etches into the metal, and then the manganese phosphate bonds crystals on the outside or something. I'm not a total, yeah, <laughs> I don't know all the details, but I know it basically that's what it does. Uh-huh. And the parkorizing alone is you know not going to keep the mic from rusting, yeah, what keeps the mic from rusting is the parkerizing the, the ability for it to retain oil yeah and you know basically it sucks the oil in and it that's what protects the knife yeah and it looks man it looks really nice yeah um, it holds up fairly well from what I've from my testing I've done uh-huh. yep and it's a uh,
0: it's a hot process it's not yes a, yeah
4: it's you know you want to be around 190 95 to 200 uh-huh. um, somewhere around there and you, you put it in and it's yeah
0: yep and then, you know, you watch it bubble for a while. You let it get to the right color form. and
4: bubble. And usually just, you know, kind of stop bubbling. Uh, like in the beginning, man, I didn't really know any of that. And I was leaving them in too long. Uh-huh. And, it, you know, it would actually pit the metal and stuff like that, that which isn't a bad that. thing for for some yeah. stuff. But I was going, I was trying to get, you know, as smooth of a finish and dark of a finish as I possibly can. Yeah. Um. And that's where the aging, Yeah. Was a, you know really helps out and stuff like that aging your solution aging it um, and there are different ways there's some stuff I'm still learning from the internet
0: yeah well um, you do one other thing Uh, of course you do Kydex and all the Kydex stuff I've seen is really good but then you're making uh, fire steels
4: well I do yeah I make um, antler handle
0: flare rods
4: Um, I don't have I'm almost out now but I'm getting ready to finish uh, another batch I should have some of those come up Pretty okay. soon, but those man, I actually I use mostly access antler, access okay. deer from from Texas locally. Uh-huh. Um, then I go through a big process of you know coloring them and getting them I guess finished. There's yeah. a couple of different finishing. It takes me a, you know uh-huh. a few days to get it to get it finished get and, and, and cured to where it will last and not you know. Uh-huh.
0: And uh, that's cool. Well, thanks. For being on the podcast, everybody yeah, uh, should sure. check you check you out. One more time, your web address: Coiloutdoors.com, uh-huh. com and at c o y
4: l e outdoors. Sweet. Uh, and if you have any questions, you can email me at Tate at coiloutdoors.com. com. Um, a lot of the a lot of the services I do, man, I don't really have listed up right now, but yeah. get a hold of me, man, and I can do almost yeah. know, almost any, anything
0: for you. Yeah, he he does really. Really good mods that are very well done, well executed, and clever. So that's why he's on the podcast.
4: Definitely. And also, if you want like deramped, yeah, like Becker, you know Beckers and stuff like that. If you want choil stuff like that, man, I can do. Yeah. Little things like that. If you you know, cool. So, alright, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being on. <laughs>
0: this is uh, a little special interview. I'm here at uh, Ethan Becker's place in Tennessee in the Smoky Mountains. Uh, Just very close to us is a, uh, if you're a motorcyclist, you'll know of something which is called the Tale of the Dragon. And when I lived in Louisville, Kentucky, I always wanted to head down there and ride this thing because it's all this crazy stuff. And So in the background, you're probably going to hear some motorcycles here and there. And that's from the Tale of the Dragon. Uh, the other thing you might hear is some shooting. Now, uh, another bit of podcast trivia. If you remember the first time I ever had Corey Murphy on, this is the exact spot that we had that interview from. And now, uh, when I, when I did that interview with him, I collected five acorns. And they are now growing into five oak trees uh, that will be transplanted to Michigan with me in about three weeks. Outstanding. Hmm. So now I'm here uh, again uh, a, a couple years later, I guess, two years later. Yeah, about two or three, yeah. Yeah, with uh, Corey Murphy and uh, T.M. Hunt. And we're here to do some... Uh, Knife not talk, interested. uh, figure out what's, what's up with these guys, uh, just have a conversation about knives, like, like literally we're not, we're just gonna talk. And so, uh. I know how to talk. Right. Okay, so, <laughs> you guys are here at the Ethan Becker Gathering, uh, we're now, uh,
3: Saturday at about 6pm.
0: We are. Uh, how was your night last night?
3: Uh, I think that, uh, I, I brought, I had the opportunity to bring my 10 year old son, Uh which was, uh, uh, fantastic. He's a, he's a good boy and he deserved to come and he's been begging to come. And I finally brought him. And, uh, as far as how my night was, I think that, uh, Ethan had some kind of, uh, comedic agenda and feeding everybody beans because he, <laughs> yeah he kind of gassed me out in the tent last night but, uh you know aside from that uh we slept well and and it's just like it is every time you come up here i mean the hospitality is is outstanding and the friendship and the camaraderie is is always uh, second to none so um uh, even if you have a bad night of sleep you're gonna have a good weekend of uh of fun of enjoyment and Murph, how'd you do last night? Blast, man! I, anytime
2: I could sleep in a hammock, I'm having a good time. Um, drink plenty of uh, nutritious beverages. Yes, very barley. Yeah, yeah. I felt a little bit <laughs> barley, like our forefathers uh, <laughs> when they first got here. Drank a little bit of, uh, you know, water around these parts can be bad for you. So, I, and I so you drink beer. some barley and yeah, stuff. Some barley, some malts, some hops. Yeah. Uh, for a minute to make it tastier. It's for it's for science. Everything I do is for science. Yeah. Everything. Okay. Um, but we had a good time. You like know, you said, I'll you always, you always get to see your, your old, your old friends that, I mean, you might have done, what, like nine of these gatherings? Ooh. Eight or nine? And, uh, all but the first one. And, you get to see all kind of cool people, uh, meet a lot of new people, and, you know, then it's hard to remember their forum names versus their real names, and, uh, Elishwitz was here yesterday. Elishwitz. That was I don't know fantastic. How you say it.
3: Yeah.
2: That was awesome. I
0: mean, a genius in the knife world. So, stop for just a second, mm-hmm. um, I, w- I actually didn't get in until late yesterday, so mm-hmm. tell us um, who came on Friday. Um, if if you know how to say, I, I I know the name, I just don't know how to spell it. or.
2: The one I was just talking about? Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, you don't have to spell it. I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying it to think
2: it. of his first name. I don't <laughs> know if it's Alan
3: It's Alan Elishwitz. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right,
2: yeah.
3: and so he works for... Well, I think he just pretty much works for himself. Uh, yeah, he is he, uh, a knife he's designer. A knife he's designer. He's had,
2: I mean, Benchmade. He's done a lot of work with Benchmade. I've uh, carried
3: a lot of Benchmade knives that's got his name on.
2: I've taken uh, two of his knives to Iraq and had no idea I would ever meet him. And also Ethan Becker, who I also took to his knives to Iraq. So it's kind of cool to a little bit of a full circle kind of thing there. Um, cool. So he
0: showed up yesterday.
2: Very cool. Very cool individual. He no. was uh, very gracious. Um, I had no idea what to expect when I heard the name. I, I really thought it was going to be some really old man, uh, just because you know those are usually the guys. with so much wisdom. Nah, he was uh,
0: a lot younger than I thought he would be. Right. And then uh, last night, uh, last night um, you slept in a hammock. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. What were you using to under under quilt? No. Sleeping uh, nothing
2: like that. I had a. Um, uh military sleep system yeah all three bags the well the gore checks oh, okay. and the two bags yeah and i slept uh, slept pretty much inside of all three of those but i was sleeping in a uh, hennessy survivor suite. yeah so it's like the self-contained one you know with the tarp and the bug net and all that good stuff yeah, but yeah no under quilt because um, i'm just not i'm too cheap to buy one
3: word okay. around camp is you got a little cold last night okay so hmm. now i have to i have to explain some stuff
0: i'm gonna <laughs> explain something here Okay, so like when I'm in a hammock, it's like the coldest it gets is 80 degrees. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm in a hammock, I'm in some jungle assed horrible place somewhere, right? And so this is how I camp, and then occasionally it will get down to where it's a little cooler or whatever. Okay, so I came down here with my usual jungle setup, and I said, well, I'm going to beef this up. I'm going to put a thermo rest neo air in there and that's going to be like awesome like under under quilt and then i'm also going to bring a sleeping bag which i never do and so i came down last night thinking i was going to be fine i set everything up like i usually do the neo air does not work in a war bonnet outdoors blackbird it does (laughs) not work okay so i number one i got tacoed the entire night number two <laughs> the, uh, oh, calm your ass down. I'm appealing for calm here. Number two, the, uh, the, uh, sleeping bag was inadequate, doctor. Inadequate. You have failed. You were unsuccessful with this tax. Uh, and, and, the, and the problem is, is that it was too light for the conditions. It got down to 40 degrees last night. And I slept, but I slept cold. And so tonight, I'm going to ground with uh, some visqueen that we bought at Sloanes and a space blanket I heard. Uh, yeah, now now here's the other thing. I'm in, I'm going to do a public service no. announcement for uh for everyone the uh if you have a space blanket and you have not unfolded it, unfold it right now. Mm. Um because what happens is is uh so this this character, James Terio, he's a knife maker. You can look up his
3: stuff. I've heard of him. There's a guy that looks just like him and right by down the same the name, you know, just like 20 paces down the trail. Right, and so this guy, he uh,
0: lent me this space blanket to use tonight because I made a super shelter. I bought some visqueen, and I'm setting up on the ground to make a little super shelter. Well, um, we didn't know, and he actually, as it turns out, Terio, one of his jobs in life, has been to make that mylar stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. One of his whole jobs in his whole life is to take the plastic and then coat it with the aluminum stuff or whatever metal it is on there. And this guy knows mylar. And when I was describing to him, look, I unfolded this blanket, and uh, the metal's missing on all of it but was on the outside. It looks like they just folded it up and then sprayed some metal on there. He's like, that can't be. It doesn't happen. So we un- I, I brought them back. We looked at it. It turns out that stuff, if it's been sitting folded up in your pocket or in your pack for long enough, it oxidizes. Mm. Okay. And the metal, it's a, it's a microns thick uh, coating of metal on this plastic blanket. And uh, it, it will erode so that there's only mylar on like 5% of what it is you spread out. So everybody, if you have a space blanket and you have not unfolded it, unfold it and look, because the, it, it deteriorates over time. And neither one of us knew it. And this is one of the guys that was the guy who made those things.
2: He also yeah. makes a very uh, fine smart ass.
0: Yeah, and he's a, <laughs> so. If you if you're on the uh, if you're ever on the internet and you're looking for him, um, you can see his online activities. He uses his real name like I do. Um, and like everybody here does pretty much, Murph Nuge is you, yeah. and uh, T.M. Hunt is you. And I'm average Iowa guy, but in my signature line on every forum I've ever posted on is my real name, which is Kyle Versteg. But anyway, he's a real name guy, so you can look up his stuff. But anyway, he was the guy that made those, and he didn't know this problem. So we're doing that as a public service announcement. And tomorrow I'll post some follow-up as to how I slept tonight in the super shelter. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Anyway, it's gonna be
3: better than the night before. Right? Yeah,
0: let's let's talk about um, knives and
3: stuff. Uh, okay. What are you up to lately in the shop, TM Hunt? Um. Well, I have pretty much. But uh, there's there's a lot of stuff going on. This is uh, this is the first year that I've been actually full time at doing this. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the first time that I haven't shut down for orders at Blade, and. Uh, because you know on a part-time basis there was just too much to do and yeah. uh, you know um, this year it's just uh, nonstop non-stop uh, exciting things that keeps on happening uh, i had had an opportunity where a buddy of mine had uh, given me some commercial space which was fantastic um you know he wasn't charging me for it uh, but the problem of it was there was uh, 40,000 square feet there, and I'd kind of yeah. uh, put myself off in a little corner and pretty much all ran off of one extension cord. And <laughs> Every time I was out there, I and had like some... Like on a Christmas story. Oh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Don't
5: anybody move!
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, any time I was out there, it just I really could not work undisturbed because, you know, I was just uh, somebody was always tapping me on the shoulder and... So, not that I wanted to be uh, ungrateful for anything that you've given me, but if I really wanted to uh, put attack this uh, fullheartedly, I decided to move back home. Uh, as strange as that may sound, and to your shop back home. Uh, yeah, to not my shop back home. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, to my shop back home, and I uh, we decided to build on. Uh, there was one thing you know what what is the one thing we can do to maximize output and and help us out here at at uh, my house and it was like a uh, you know I need to build a bigger grinding room I had recently bought some uh, new grinding equipment and it just uh, totally outgrew um, the space that I had as well as a new um, dust collection system so um, the beauty of it is, and the thing that I'm still in awe in uh, is I just kind of put a feeler out there i didn't really have the finances put together I really didn't even have a plan a blueprint I'm just like, man it, you know this is what would really help me and the knife community uh, totally took me in with open arms and friends that I've had and friends that i didn't know I had and people just uh, totally. Came around me and said, "Hey, let's do this." Mm-hmm. And within one weekend, I had one guy that uh, is a friend of mine that came all the way from Kansas. He's like, "Hey, you gonna do that or what?" I was like, "Well, shit, you know, I really hadn't really thought about it that much." He's like, "Give me a date, and I'll come up from Kansas and help you." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? That's like ten hours." Wow. And so I thought, man, if, if I'm gonna utilize any help I can get, because. Um, uh, it it doesn't matter what you're doing i mean if you've got people that love you and support you and are willing to help you uh, take advantage of it you know i i I have always been the person you know that i will charge any mountain by myself and always want to be the guy that does it by yourself and you know i'm getting i'm not old by any stretch of the means but i'm starting to realize that there is uh (laughs) There is safety in numbers, and if you've got people that got your back, um, man, it's just fantastic. I I called uh, some people in, and like I said, uh, Eric came from Kansas, and in one weekend, we totally uh build on a about another third to my shop wow
2: we threw the pictures up on the forum we too. we
3: threw the pictures up on the forum i'm still uh piddling with uh, uh murph had a fantastic idea i didn't really even know i mean it was just one of those things that happened i didn't even know what i wanted to do i knew about the size and uh everybody started throwing their ideas in it and i'm like uh you know hey let's make this uh it's gotten to the point to where it's not mine anymore so everybody should benefit from it and have some good ideas and have some input in it and Murph's like hey let's do some barn doors and and uh, Eric's like hey let's do this and let's do that and I'm like man whatever and we just kind of instead of me throwing my imagination and everything I just kind of utilized all the help that I had and uh, lo and behold two days when everybody really started throwing into it Man, I've got an awesome enclosed, dust-collected uh, nice. grinding room. Uh, we've got, and we're uh, by no
2: means professional as far as building.
3: No, 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 right. no. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind yeah, of contractors like contractors
2: uh, are listening to this saying, "Yeah, got contractors are like no really <laughs> oh, big like deal." like to see that? Yeah. yeah,
3: but no. I the point here is, I mean, I'm just, I'm just totally blessed. I mean. Two years ago, you would never convince me that th- this is how I'd be making my living, and and not only am I doing that, but I've got so many people that are just under the gun to uh, 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 to help me succeed, and that that's just beyond anything I've ever experienced, and it's just it's just awesome. That's cool. Yeah. The um, <clears throat>
0: and uh, eventually, not now, but eventually. We may be able to make another first in podcast history, but I'm not going to say anything else. (laughs) I wanted to talk about some of the work you're doing. Um, This is new. That is Uh, not new. No, it's new to me. Okay. okay. The last (laughs) time I saw your stuff, you were not doing uh, compound handles. So now, um, for our listeners at home, I'm holding a TM Hunt knife. What model is this? That is the Trade Water. Okay, so he's got a, uh, it's a, um, I'm estimating a a 5.5 to 6 inch blade uh, drop point. Uh, Very nice blade. Um, The grind lines are symmetrical, meeting in the middle. Um, His grind lines are different than most people's in that he's grinding his um, blades, I'm estimating, at about a 30 degree angle. So those grind lines tip back. Instead of being straight up and down, they're tipping back at a 30 degree angle towards the handle. Now, I've known all of this about his knives. What is different here is not the grind, is not the blade shape, is none of this. I've seen all of this before. What is different is that he's now doing uh, uh, compound materials. So the liners are OD Green um, G10. Correct. Uh, with uh, black canvas micarta and a tan something. That is Corion.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. That is... Um like uh, your kitchen countertop, countertop yeah. yeah my wife is right. still pissed about me cutting up the countertops.
0: right but now the the point being that this is new since the last time we have talked certainly that you're doing these yeah. compound, and it's not just that he's just gluing these together willy nilly um he's got a very very precise curve between the brown corion on the front of the handle and the uh black canvas micarta on the back um Tell us about that.
3: Well, um, I, and I, you know, I got I got to correct you a little bit. Uh, none of this is really new. It's just that uh, uh, new for me. Yeah. Um, this 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 particular knife was actually made for uh, Ethan's uh, Ethan Becker's cut off challenge three years ago.
2: Knife maker challenge. Yeah. yeah, about two or three years ago.
3: And. Um, I this was the knife that I submitted, um, and I wanted to make something that was a little bit complex because I knew that guys were going to absolutely beat this knife, uh, you know, uh, you know, beat it and and torment it and put it through the ultimate torture. We were doing
2: advanced criteria.
3: Yeah, I, I wanted yeah. to prove that you could have something that is beautiful and still resilient and. Right. Um, When uh, when we had the the challenge, I gave everybody specific instructions to beat this thing like it owes you money. And if I uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Murph, but uh, I think there was uh, 24 entries.
2: I think there was 24 initial. There was entries. there
3: was 24 initial entries. Four of them never showed up. Now these were knife makers from all across the United States and Canada.
2: Right. Yeah. It, four it of them just didn't the knife show makers. up. Some of, them, some of them tried to mail them and things like that. I mean. Uh,
3: how many catastrophic failures were there? There was four. Another uh, I four. Thought there were two. They're not getting their heat trick done by GM Hall. Uh, well, <laughs> and they <laughs> should just do it uh, professionally. I, 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 I think there was four.
2: Okay. All
3: right. Um, you I can remember most of the names, but I'm, of course yeah, I'm not, not yeah, because,
2: that it uh, was beyond a lot of them's control.
3: A lot of them was not their faults. Right. Uh, but, uh, and they went by a scoring process over a course of three days. They had eight people, a panel of eight people that uh, took them through numerous tests. This knife actually, as far as the scoring was concerned, this knife came in second and missed first place by three points. Mm-hmm. And yeah, one of
0: you about that.
3: Well, there was that that, yeah. that 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 was the that was the real pisser because I actually got deducted because I did not have a fire steel loop in my sheath. And what was funny was I made. <sighs> I made two of these knives uh, for this contest. And the very, fr- the, the first one I made was just like it's this. It's called a lighter <laughs> douche bags. <laughs> I, I, made of curly okay, maple sorry, sorry. and, I, I and green, there. A green OD. Yeah. And then I, it had a fire loop and then I actually had both of these knives side by side and literally two days before we, I come up here, I re- this was the one that I want to submitted. And the other one I gave to Murph. So yeah. I've got, And got got the, the whole time with. he had another sheath, exact same knife with a fire steel, on his belt. If I would have switched him out, I probably would have got first place. But, you know, yeah, it's well, you, that, Those yeah. are minor things. Yeah, yeah no, but I, 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 I was close. happy. But, yeah, uh, yeah as, as far as the... Let's talk about this back part here. What would you do there? So, uh,
0: after... Um, so, he has a flat grind on the blade. Full flat. And... Um, behind the full flat grind it is a different color tell us about
4: that it is
3: it is a blackish color now this one is like i said i wanted to uh uh, integrate beauty and function in this so right uh all of the functional edges are semi-polished and then all of the uh, like where your Ricasso's at and mm-hmm. where my name is stamped. And the back, I've got an exposed pommel on this. Right. It's all black. And that is a PCB etchant. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, so so it's real it's a, similar. So it's a ferric chloride yes, etchant exactly. that you're using to do it's, the printed. It's very okay. similar to the. Farquharizing. Uh, yes, except yeah. for the heat is not induced. You it's don't do that. a lot
0: that. easier to do. And actually on, the, on, this, on this very same podcast, if I can talk you, I have this guy here who is very, very shy. Dex. But, uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. We didn't ooh. give his real name away. We're right, good. but the, the the problem being he's very shy, and I'm trying to convince him to come onto the podcast, because we I think he's here. doing some really amazing stuff. And he cooks some very weird shit, but it's good. Uh, <laughs> he makes excellent boudin. Yeah, and his... Um, the thing is, is that he's got this parkerizing process, mm-hmm. where he will i may send some birthday you ought to. to him you ought to to get them parkerized that. um and uh but but the point is is like i want to get him on here if i can't get him on here what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna give you his website later on um and the the mods that he is doing on the stock becker knives oh oh that was trouble so oh, no re no retaliation okay hey come over here come over here so we're doing, uh, the Knife Journal podcast, and, uh, Mr. T.M. Hunt just chucked a youngling and hit somebody in the neck.
3: Why didn't you say it, it was Murphy?
0: It,
2: it's not beer abuse. No. It's okay. alright, I know where he lives, so.
0: Okay, so, do you, do you want to be on the podcast? Do you want to tell people who you are? Or say hi, you know Jerry. Where? I just yeah. took one in the jaw. I'm Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, are you on the forums at all? I am, I'm,
3: I'm Jerry.
0: Jerry, Jerry. Jerry, that's oh, it? Yeah. I'm Jerry. Oh, yeah. How, how On Blade Forums, what are you, what's Jerry your name? Jerry D. Jerry yeah. Okay, so Jerry D. just got hit in the neck by a uh, wayward beer cannon. Uh, so I'm sorry that that happened to you, sir. I am too, and He's I a threw doctor. it. He can fix it. You can't fix he can the make the rest it all of better. your face. No, none your of neck. that was intended. I'm sorry about
3: it too, and I threw it. <laughs>
0: Okay, so so there's some monkey business going on here, and we're probably gonna have to conclude this quickly because I okay. have uh All right. Sorry. I have uh no this is my fault I'm dragging this out but at any rate um so this PCB etching as it turns out I have some experience with that because that's how I do the hormone lines okay that's what you use for a hormone line after you hand sand that bolt hand sanding is for idiots yes okay. You get up to like a 600 grit to a, a, you get up to 600 before you ever put the PCB etching on it. And then you will see if the hormone pops. If the hormone pops, don't go any higher. Just put it back in and redo your heat treat. You did something wrong. Okay. And then you have to go up after that, up to my stuff. I just sold the last Iowa made blade that was a lawnmower blade. Is that right? To a guy from Idaho that bought it. And uh, he paid a ridiculous amount of money. With, yeah. More than my fucking truck is worth. You can't, yeah, you mm. can't
2: blame those guys in the States that start in high. They're idiots.
0: Right, but, but but hey, calm your ass down. Yes,
3: Murphy, that's unacceptable. From Indiana, yeah. I guess.
0: But the, but the point being, um, everything is... He, he. This guy messaged me about this particular knife because there was some information out there that this is the last Iowa made blade. He's like, how much is that worth? I'm like, I don't know. Like Whatever everything's you, for sale, what but I kind of want to keep it. it. Yeah. And sure. he's like, "Well, how would this amount be?" And I'm like, "Okay, um, what's your shipping address?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, but anyway, um, so I know about this uh, PCB, etching so for everybody at home, this is a printed circuit board. So uh, you're your people that are making the circuit boards that enter into your computer and all these sorts of things. They use this ferric. Chloride, which means iron chloride etchant solution that will also, as it turns out, put a very good-looking polish on carbon steel.
3: Unique. uh, Radio Shack is your friend.
0: Yeah. Now, um, there's another guy that I'm hoping to get on, and I'm hoping that I can list our friends here, longtime friends of the podcast, uh, TM Hunt and none other than Corey Murphy, one of the first guests that we ever had on. Sorry about Um, that. From this... Same location. We're, yep. we're we're literally sitting on the same two by two Hollywood
3: ground. Right, is what this is.
0: And so, uh, point being, uh, if you guys can help me out getting him on,
3: yeah, like oh, we'll get him on. I
0: think he's got some interesting stuff. Yes, to tell he everybody. does have
3: some very interesting stuff. You have to look after you know overlook his accent a little bit, but and yeah, it's it's a Louisiana
5: slash Arizona.
3: Eastern uh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, the other thing I wanted to draw
0: everyone's attention to, and this is something that I did not know about TM Hunt knives, is he has the models that he's putting out that have fit and finish which are awesome. And this is, I've talked on the on the podcast before about guys that I use for benchmark knives. And so I buy TM Hunt knives to make sure that the shit that comes out of my shop is reasonable. For what I'm charging, and so T.M. Hunt is has is one of my benchmark guys. Another one of my benchmark guys is Charlie Mays, and I've had other benchmark guys that I've passed. Wow. You're in good
2: company then. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> right. being in the same <laughs> sentence there.
0: <laughs> right, but 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 the point being, this is one of my benchmark guys, and then my other one of my other benchmark guys is Charlie Mays, and uh, I'm still. I'm still trying to catch people. But I had other guys that I was trying to reach their level, and I, I reached it right away. You know, but, but uh, you you and Charlie Mays are beyond what I can do regularly. So um, well, I did that's, not know. That's
3: a hell of a compliment. I appreciate that. But
0: um, I'm going to go further. Okay. I'm going to say that the stuff that you have up on the picnic table this morning, mm. um, he's doing... So you might have to contact him individually. Uh how would they contact you individually?
3: Uh you know, just like everybody else does. I mean, we have a contact thing on our uh, uh on the website, uh we TM have the Hunt website
2: huntcustomknives.com.
3: Huntcustomknives.com. We have okay. a Facebook page and uh Instagram. Instagram, yeah. And
2: then Bladeforms, blade yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay, so the point being you want to get in touch with him personally. And you want to ask him about a handmade custom Bowie.
3: Well, anyway, uh, people, uh, don't hate us too much. We love you. Hate Murphy, because that's what I got him around. And he started all of this. Bring it on. It's his problem.
2: Um, Uh, Listen, uh, MurphNuge at gmail.com. Have at it.
0: We love you. We're very happy that you've listened. Uh, We're upon. by the time they get this, it's going to be, like, 54 minutes after I cut out, like, one or two things that I said <laughs> that were pretty bad.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but uh, Leave it unedited. I gave my email. Hell with them. <laughs> okay, well, okay, so people. Oh. Um, check out uh, TM Hunt. Uh, we've already given all the contact information and all of that, and uh, thanks for joining us.
3: Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank yeah, you, yeah, and good, good night. Thank you, and good thank night. Thank you, good night. So, I have another interview today. This is at the conclusion of the becker spring gathering in uh tennessee here and uh all everybody's going home and uh, i just got a f- few minutes to sit with uh ethan becker on his porch and we're going to talk about a couple
5: things that are
0: uh upcoming
5: so yeah well there are a couple of a couple of new items that are, are coming out in the near future um uh, one will be out pretty much after we get some sheath is- issues figured out. There is a reason why knife makers um, sometimes curse sheath makers, and it's because sometimes they just don't understand. Huh. But um, the knife itself is a uh, is a, an interesting historically interesting as far as I'm concerned. Hank Reinhardt, um, who was the designer of the blade of this of this kukri knife, was the principal designer for museum replicas, and museum replicas uh, was uh, kind of the preferred provider for the people like this, a lot of the Mm reenactors. And because the stuff that Hank designed and had built worked. And he was a fencer of considerable repute, and he could fence with anything. Hmm. And uh, he was also a tremendous scholar of the blade. And um, the sister company to Museum Replicas was Atlantic Cutlery, which brought in all of the quote-issued, close-quote, kukris from India. And Hank knew as much as any buddy alive then about cookery knots. Mm-hmm. And his this blade was originally uh, made in the blade part with, and with with Hank's original handle was made in Japan and was. When I first picked it up and used it, and I've been handling kukri knives since I was 17 years old, mm-hmm. 17, because the first, actually the first road trip I ever took as a kid on my own was to drive from Cincinnati to Marietta, Ohio, to buy two kukri knives from a collector in Marietta. Okay. And I've been a fan of the cookery ever since and and Hank um, Hank just was so knowledgeable and and redoing the because blackjack did a machete version with my handle on it okay and uh at Camillus, um, they did not want to build a kukri, bec- or they couldn't build a kukri because their long machines belong- actually belonged to cold steel. Okay. And Lynn didn't want any kukri knives by anybody else made on his machines. Perfectly reasonable of him. So... Um, but ever since I've been working with K-Bar, I've wanted to come out with a Reinhardt Becker. Mm-hmm. This blade is um, one of the most impressive pieces of cutlery I've ever had in my hand, and I can say that because I didn't design the blade. <laughs> okay. Um, and in redoing this, I learned more Trying to figure out what Hank had in mind when I did the reprofile, of the, the blade reprofile, the blade, mm-hmm. the uh, edge profile, and I discovered things that I had um, I had been mistaken about about cookery since I was 17 fucking years old. Okay. And I am uh, currently. Uh, Sixty-nine and change. Hmm. So, um, 68 and change. So anyway, there's a 69. It doesn't make any difference at this point. (laughs) Right. But, um, the sweet spot on this Kukri is longer and uh, longer than any other sweet spot I've ever seen on on a Kukri Mm knife. It literally spans almost five inches. Wow. And it is just an amazing tool.
0: Mm-hmm. And the model number for this is going to be BK-21? I right? believe so, yes. Yeah. Okay.
5: And I have no idea what the price is going to be. Uh, and I just know it's coming out soon. Now, by soon, I've been saying that for over a year. Uh-huh. And so um, you have to um, and any um it's about a thirteen inch plate, yeah, but it's um looking
0: at it this this would be difficult for me to manufacture <laughs> it, using oh, yeah. uh, using stock removal, but i I'm sure that you know it's probably water jet or laser cut out from and yeah. they probably have a pattern that they can cut them a whole bunch out of a sheet and stuff but, Oh yeah, but um. You'd have to have a, a piece of steel that was like four inches tall because from the the tip of the handle to the top of the arc on the um, blade on the spine is probably four inches, I would say.
5: Maybe closer to five.
0: Yeah. So so quite a quite a no, bit of uh,
5: about four inches. Right yeah.
0: Quite a bit of. I was kind of measuring it against yeah. my iPad here and then kind of eyeballing it. So I, I mean I don't know that that's the number, but. Um, Tell, tell me about the grind on this.
5: Well, it's a uh, flat ground, uh-huh. and uh, we use the same um, basically the same grind angles uh, that are on a BK9. Okay, and the reason for that is is that the BK9 grind angles are as, as close to a perfect combination of. of Slicing and chopping, um, and still give you enough of a strong edge that you can do all of that.
2: Mm -hmm.
5: And it's been interesting because uh, uh, Hank's widow had us had to part of the contract is is that the estate has a say, uh, final say, in whether the the blade works, and whether or not we can make it and put Hank's name on it. Uh-huh. So, I've been working with a guy named Greg Phillips, who was a student of Hank's.
0: Uh-huh.
5: And Greg's big thing in life has been testing blades.
0: Uh-huh.
5: And he's taken this blade and using less than two inches of it, has made over 150 push cuts. Hmm through one inch vanilla rope and um, he beat a one and a half inch diameter stake into the ground with it on the side using the side of the blade as a hammer Hmm. and did the you know shaved a book Mm
2: -hmm.
5: shaved hair off his arm all of that stuff and it was uh, after he got done with all of that he could still take hair off, off his arm Wow. And part of that is, it's, it's, you know, as you know very well, there are a lot of decent steels.
4: hmm
5: And where knives are either created <coughs> or really destroyed, as far as quality is concerned, happens in the heat treat department. Yep. And there, as I've a thing, I got a long list of acceptable steels and a very short list of acceptable heat treaters,
2: mm-hmm.
5: and whoever, I don't know who does KBAR's heat treat, but I know this, they know 1095 really well, and the heat treat protocols that KBAR uses uh, give an incredible amount of of, of life to uh-huh. 1095 crofants neat now is the coating different on this than on some of your other blades at least this, this we've one? gone back with this knife we're going back to the smooth uh, smooth powder coat okay and um, there are a lot of reasons for that uh, part of them part of it is, is aesthetic mm-hmm. and uh, doesn't load up at all right and, of course, a lot of the people that buy my blades, the first thing they do is take the powder coat off and either force a patina or just let them alone or um, coat it with paraffin or beeswax or, or something else. Right. And it's amazing. I was convinced because when I first started in the business, Stainless was everything. Everybody was going to stainless. And I here I was, and I had a carbon steel knife. The only other guy who was bragging about carbon steel that I, I can think of was Lynn Thompson.
0: Uh-huh.
5: And I was scared to death people wouldn't buy my knives because they would rust. So I started parkerizing them. And then when Blackjack got hold of them, he put some. Mikey put some kind of crummy um, uh, early powder coat on them that was um, actually kind of soft and was not really very good. And um, then when Camilla said it, they they had a a much better powder coat. And um, then uh, K-Bar has a much better than Camilla's powder coat. And it's it's funny. I guess I was one of the first people that, was, that made quote black knives that were not actual military issue. <coughs> Nobody else was doing it. But aesthetically, I've always liked the the um, the parkerizing
2: mm-hmm.
5: because I've always admired parkerizing on firearms. But it's um, we have a new powder coat that we're putting on some things we call them naked beckers okay. and it's a clear powder coat and it's kind of neat because it shows the um, unground steel as it comes from out of the mill with has just debarked and uh, the grind and I've always loved that Yeah, it, uh, um, Fiddleback Forge that does a lot of that where you have a the as pounded metal and then as ground and as a kind of a contrast and it kind of has an organic feel of having uh, of the the grounds the ground part having grown out of the steel itself. Yep. And I don't know where I'm putting that very well, but it's oh, yeah, I really I like think, it.
0: I think we under everybody understands that what you're talking about. There's a, a bunch of other knife makers that are doing that. yeah, um, yeah. Especially guys that are doing forging because oh, yeah. it's easier for them to put, to leave the top part of the blade unfinished right. and they
5: don't really have to do anything. They just don't finish that part. And, um, you know, and it's pretty. Yeah. Um, looks good. So that's pretty, you know, I'm very excited about the cook. I really am. And I've really felt honored that, that to be. Working on something that Hank did because he was uh, just—he um, was a wonderful person, as well as being an absolutely incredible designer. And I've just really—and um, uh, it—and the—and the blade is just absolutely—it—it it, it is a great land management tool yeah it is a great um, uh, camping all-around camping tool it is um, it is the best machete that I've ever ever used and um, I don't even want to think about what it would do as a weapon yeah I guess you they know? were they were fairly famous for uh, yes for uh, these things. Well, it, was, it was kind of funny because Hank uh, had studied fencing his whole, you know, pretty much his whole life, mm-hmm. and he, um, of course, they had a very close relationship with the, the company that made the kukris in India,
2: mm-hmm.
5: and Hank wanted to find out how to fight with a kukri from somebody who had fought with a kukri. So he made that known to the guys in India, and and he didn't like going to India because he didn't like the poverty of uh, being reminded, seeing the poverty in one thing or another. But he went ahead, um, and they, the people in India at at, uh, at the at the plant there had made arrangements. They made contact with some people in Nepal and found an old subedar who had uh, from the Burma Rifles,
2: mm-hmm.
5: and. Uh, so Hank went to the top of the world, you know, foothills foot of the Himalayas, to find out about how to fight with a kukri from somebody you really knew.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: So he says, basically, Oh, Subadar, um, Oh, great, great wise one, man in the cave, the old man in the cave, kind of thing that we all the martial art people are always looking for.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: He says, uh, What's the most important thing to learn to know about fighting with a kukri? And the old man says, it is important to have the edge pointed toward your, the sharp part of the blade pointed toward your enemy. (laughs) And Hank, just got a kind of a quizzical look on his face, and the old man said, and then hit him! (laughs) And Hank is still kind of nonplussed, and the old man said, if that does not work, hit him harder! (laughs) So he's relating this to, to Greg Phillips. And Greg... I said, "Hank, was it worth it going all the way to the top of the world for that?" And Hank said, "Well, good information is good information." <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, but it's it's a uh, it's a blade I'm really proud to have been part of.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Even though what I've done has been relatively minor. It's been a it's been an honor and a pleasure.
0: And then the the handle on this is was this a handle from an existing model of knife,
5: or was well, this a it's my, it's my handle. Yeah, but
0: yeah. which? Oh which well, model?
5: It's, it's, a, it's any of the it's the big Becker handle. Okay.
0: Yeah. So yeah. like
5: on your BK9, your BK5. Yeah, BK9, and five, two, and two, yeah. all of the Okay. Early numbers. Uh-huh. But it's. Um, it's interesting the blade speed on this is high enough that when you hit a berry cane mm-hmm. you don't get a hinge. Nice. It goes right through. Yeah. And that's I mean you can just do a little flick with the with the front mm-hmm. and the very the berry cane goes away. Mm-hmm. And for a for a quote heavy heavy knife to get a tip speed that high, especially when it's bent downward, is pretty amazing. Yeah. But Hank Hank understood on a level that I wish I had exactly what was gonna go on with a blade I was I visited him once on an at Atlanta cutlery and he took me out back and we were throwing a tomahawk he was working on and i am not a good tomahawk thrower i enjoy it but i'm not good at it mm-hmm. and he handed me a tomahawk he'd been working on and it was like it had radar mm. not only did it stick every time i threw it it stuck where i aimed it
2: mm.
5: and that in and of itself is a as an act of genius because i'm not good at that yeah And he, he, and the same thing was true of a lot of other stuff he designed. Just made it work. He made shit work. Yep. You have a, well, you have a
0: couple more knives, but there's uh, one sitting in front of me that we actually can talk about. Um, You have a new uh, neck style knife coming out. The model number is uh, BK23.
5: Right. Anyway, it'll be, it'll be um, that will be released later this year. I hope. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not um, it's not it's not actually in. Um, it's not going to be released. We're going to release a couple of the naked uh, of BK2. I think it's going to be released at Blade Show. Okay. And then um, later in the year, will come this and. I hope we can display the Kukria to show.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, a lot of people have seen it, and there's a nice thread on the Becker knife and tool forum on blade forums. Uh, I think it's up to, I don't know, 17 pages or something like that. Mm. <coughs> and, um, yeah, um,
0: getting getting back to the Necker... Yeah. Um, The reason I like this is uh, because it's lightweight. Yeah. It's not a boat anchor, and the the sheath is uh, is slim. You don't have a huge thick. You have enough sheath to do what it's supposed to do, and no more. Right. So you're. I think that this is really hitting the um, the whole point of what I would want for a neck knife. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, a lot better than some some of the other knives um not talking about your knives, but just in general, the knives yeah. that people make uh to be neck knives are often very um, thick and would probably be right. better
5: on your belt well a lot of the way I look at it is this uh there 's certainly a place for the for this knife uh-huh. um, and when I first sent a bunch of uh, the neckers over to Afghanistan to a uh, a, a team over there, they um, they all zipped out into their vests. okay, and it was enough knife to do ninety percent of what they wanted to do. The knife would do with the knife mm-hmm. and um, and it was. You know, you can get over forty five degrees of flux out of a out of a necker before you'll get uh you'll get breakage. Mm -hmm. And it weighs two and a half ounces. Mm
2: -hmm. And
5: it's got an almost I think a little less, maybe a little over three inches. Mm -hmm. And it's um and you can baton with it. You can do you can do pretty much anything you think you ought to be able to do with a knife. Mm -hmm. You can skin a deer you can do an awful lot of your little field craft chores and one thing and another, making stairs and all of that stuff. And I use it as a baton, uh, batoning it, as a Japanese what's the name of the Japanese chisel knife? A fro? No. Uh, oh, um, it usually has a blade about uh, three inches two and a half, two inches long and they use it in making joints. Oh yeah. Um, uh, can't but anyway, yeah. And they use it with a mallet, and it's um, and basically it's a, a chisel with what's a what's what's long, long point, pointed sideways. Yeah. Like sheep's foot knife. Yeah. And uh, so when you're doing, you're making notches and stuff, and you have, uh, and, and you've got a fallen tree that you can use as a as a base to beat on it's a great way to make uh, to make your notches and stuff and it's, it makes it for a very accurate way of, of uh, doing things that's not going to be you're going to have to be often relatively gentle with this yeah. because it doesn't weigh very much There's not a whole lot of metal there and it's but it will do um, an awful lot of, of chores mm-hmm. but one of my favorite knives is, is Arce's um, uh, favorite deck knives for the military for military purposes is um, uh, the pro- professional soldier which was designed by Hary and made by uh, Chris Reeve knives okay and that's about the upper end of size mm-hmm. because it's a little bit longer than my, than my knife and has more of a um, more grip because the handles a little longer mm-hmm. but this guy it's um, uh, is gonna be, it's going to be. It's a very. I mean, it's a very useful knife because mm-hmm. you can use it for all the little tasks you do. Doesn't you're right. It doesn't weigh. weighs hardly anything. Mm-hmm. And it is ever so much more reliable than a folding knife. Yeah. And um, those of us who are big on fixed blades refer to folding knives as pre-broken fixed blades. Right. And. Um, and the ne- the, a neck knife carried in a pocket especially with a little leash you can get it out and, and get it into action faster and more safely than you can with a, with a holding blade
4: mm-hmm.
5: just put a little leash on it and uh, pull against the leash and you've got it out
0: mm-hmm. yeah. its uh, I would say the blade shape
5: is reminiscent uh, highly of the BK9 it is basically a mini nine. Yep. And uh, which has become one of my favorite blade shapes because we're selling a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's always. And uh, also, it works. Yep. And then the grind on this—are they going to come as hollow ground? They're going to be hollow ground. Okay. Um, and a knife that size that doesn't cost you very much. Yeah. Um. Uh. Aesthetically, I've always been a flat. Uh, it, and in favor of flat grinds but this is going to be a very inexpensive knife mm-hmm. um, it is going to be probably priced under 15 bucks yep that's what I've been told there may be a wow. change there may be a change in that folks yeah um, but um, but that's a very popular part of the market uh-huh. and I think it I think I uh, commercially it will do well. <coughs> and it's a useful little blade yep
0: um the handle is a three finger handle mm-hmm.
5: um basically unless you've got little, real tiny hands yeah but so if you got little itty, if you got little itty bitty baby hands you can probably get four inches four fingers huh? yeah
0: and it's got a skeletonized handle and it's got a little uh hole for your lanyard neat little knife it's got a Kind of the thumb ramps that you see on the BK15 with some uh, fairly aggressive jimping on there. Yeah. Or the B. I'm sorry, the BK9. BK yeah. Um, yeah. This, I'd like it.
5: Uh, anything else in the in the pipeline you want to talk about? Anything else at all? Well, there's a lot of things I'm not allowed to talk about because. Um, I've been getting into a lot of trouble about that as it is because I want to share everything that I have planned for the next 20 years. Mm. And people hear that and they start bugging um, K-Bar. About when next week it's going to show up. And uh, Mm. as Brother Stitt said to me, he said, they never blame you, Ethan, for when we can't produce. Yeah. Um, uh, When they want it, they... Blame us,
0: hmm.
5: and um, very. Uh, and I was like, okay, John, I will try to keep my mouth shut, um, but it's very difficult. Yeah. But I'd, I've got a couple of what are very exciting things to me. One of them is a, a more uh, historical play that I've reinterpreted mm-hmm. from World War II, and. Um, uh, actually, I've got my mind on a couple of World War II plates down the road mm-hmm. that I want to uh, redo, reinterpret, as it were, mm-hmm. because that's all any of us in, who design knives ever do is reinterpret parts and pieces from previous designs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you can change the shape of handles, you can change this, you can change that. You can change grinds, you can change uh, points and profiles, but I'm always amazed. I think I have an original idea, and I'll put it on paper, and I'll be looking at one of the reference books I have on knives, and I'll go, oh, well, that was a real good idea, Ethan, and uh, that that blade was. First uh, blade profile was first uh, to say there. Oh, 450 BC. <laughs> well, be damned. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, uh, and and, and the handle designs ain't nothing new. If you get into mechanisms like folding mechanisms, yeah, you can do something brand new. But you're putting a folding mechanism, a brand new mechanism, on blades that were designed, many first designed many many years ago. Yeah, with some exceptions. Mm -hmm. Um, Brent Fisher is an example of that, with a couple of his point designs that were almost impossible to make, uh, especially commercially until very recently. I mean, there's some really really innovative designers out there these days. I mean, really good. Um, And really creative. Mm
0: -hmm. Well. Yes. He's not going to tell us what that World War II knife is, but. No. There's a rumor mill, um, and you can probably find out, but. You didn't hear it from Ethan or from me. Right. Yeah. And how did you like using it? It was gorgeous. I I, I have a little bit of history with that um, particular knife, uh, and I own an original of that. And I have to say that your uh, changes to that are uh, huge improvements over the original.
5: Really? Big Huge improvements. Um, well, thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. Well, I. You're I, actually acting like you believe what you just said.
0: Well, I can't. Um, I would say more. Um, be more specific, but it might give Please some don't. stuff away, yes. so I won't. Yes. We can talk off the. Yes. I'll, I'll tell you why I think it's better. Okay. Um, but uh. Other than that. Um. Thanks for having everybody
5: up this weekend. Oh, it was a good time. Yeah. It really was a good time. I, I have to say, I've, you know, this... When Will Fennel first came to me and said I ought to be doing this forum thing, mm-hmm. I thought he was out of his mind for one thing. Another thing, I had didn't want anything to do with, with it because I'm really um, uh, not very technologically savvy. And um, it's been amazing to me because of the community that we've built there has given me some of the best friends I've ever had in my life. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I've been around the industry for 30 years, 30 plus years, and I've got friends in the industry. But I never thought there'd be a group of of of, of my customers who would get together you know, we have a. There's a Norwegian Beckerhead gathering. Really? Yeah. I <laughs> had the cool. first one this last year. Uh, there's one up in New Hampshire, um, which I think is going to be twice a year now. Uh, the West Coast Beckerhead thing, I did that a couple of weeks ago. And damn, it was a good time.
0: Yeah.
5: You know, and um, it was just. Uh, the people who have come, have coalesced in my, in in our community, have just been, um, just marvelous people, and from hugely varied backgrounds. Yeah. I mean, look at the people who were here this this, this weekend. Yeah. You know, um, um, a criminal attorney for New Jersey, and his son.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: You know the. Path editor of Canada's climbing magazine came down from Toronto,
2: mm-hmm.
5: and you flew in from Iowa. Yeah. So we've got, I mean, we've got, um, and uh, Vic came in from Kansas. Yeah. And uh, and people who live right down the road from me, and people who I uh, Toronto, I think, is as far away as people have shown up for this thing. Yeah. But <laughs> of course Gus knew me knew my work from uh, when I, I owned CMI
2: mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> and uh, so but it's just been it's just been a really marvelous time and the last few years I realized that things were that no matter what happened, there were so many people in the in the group that would take all I have to do is think about something, and somebody goes, "Do you want me to do what I think you want me to do?" Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's right in there, you know. You help out with the cooking, you know. So does uh, so does Kay, and yeah. uh, you know, there's just a, just um, uh, for those of you you are on the forum. Murph Nuge is uh, always right there. <coughs> yeah, the so the logistical stuff is pretty
0: pretty easy. <coughs> the the group has a lot of really good uh, diverse skills, oh, yeah. and they're willing to use them to help out. Right. You know,
5: like so I think I think that's pretty neat. And you know, Dex always brings all these Louisiana and Texas uh, things. Uh, he made a bunch of uh bacon wrapped bacon and venison wrapped um uh jalapeno uh, uh things grilled, uh toothpicked and, and grilled, and man they were delicious. Yeah, that was good. Very yeah. just and they and Kay always makes fried pies. Yeah. And that's that's also wonderful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I try to get a vegetable in there. <laughs> yes, I usually try to make greens or something. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And people even eat them. Oh yeah, yes. they they were people were complaining because I didn't make enough.
5: Yes. Last um, last night. I knew you hadn't made enough. When I thought it was because I had a huge bag of them, but they yeah. they cooked yeah. down. That was hmm. enough for two two people two a couple and an infant. <laughs> oh, jeez. There,
0: there's some green-eating people around here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Usually when I make them other places, like at PWIP or whatever, there's all these leftovers. So yeah. They just don't, I guess they're not into greens. But last night what I did different was I stopped into Benton's. And I talked to the old guy, and I said, Hey, can you cut me off a ham hock? And he's like, Sure. Yeah. And, and he cut me two of their country ham hocks. And yeah. these are not like the ham hocks that you see at... Walmart, which is basically an ankle bone. Yeah. This is the shank end of the ham, yeah. with all the meat and everything that you'd ever want on there, and it's country ham. And
5: uh, those ham hocks make anything good. Yeah. I made up, I made up a couple of bean, uh, bean and cabbage soups with those. Yeah. Oh, ho, ho, ho. oh yeah.
0: It's good, and the bean and the cabbage combination uh, gives some velocity.
5: Yes, yes, that certainly does. Very good. Yep. uh, A cleansing experience. Yes. Yes. If you have some company
0: over that you really kind of want to leave, (laughs) uh, eat a whole bunch of that
5: a few hours before you think you want them to leave, and they'll leave. (laughs) Almost as good as putting on... uh, uh, Yoko Ono records at high volume Oh yeah I, I, that, that will usually clear the house Yeah she
0: she just did a recent uh, Performance thing Where it was basically just her screaming yes. And I, I thought I was so horrified I actually Every once in a while on the podcast I'll do a bad music segment Because <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, Between segments on the podcast I'll splice in some music And every once in a while somebody will complain and so I'll punish people with a bad music segment, uh-huh. and I've put uh her like just sc- screaming with a saxophone playing, and then I, I've uh, found like middle school bands playing like MacArthur Park. Oh god! <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, so like if when people complain,
5: I usually dig up Yoko Ono or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Susan had a had a friend who. But he wanted to clear the house after a party. Uh, during a party, and the time for everybody to leave, that uh-huh. was Yoko. <laughs> That's funny. One time, uh, you uh, you've kept
0: Boston Terriers for a long time. Yeah, you know they can be a little gassy.
5: Oh, no. Yeah, well, so... I would never have suspected such a thing. Well, so... I have left my own bed and bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Made sure the door was closed. Yeah. Well, so I had this uh, Boston
0: Terrier uh, named Daisy. The one you've met was Nell's, yeah. or Nellie. Um, but Daisy was way worse than Nellie is. <laughs> and uh, one time we had this company over, and they were they were somewhat annoying... And I kinda wanted him to leave, uh, so I was trying to, you know, get the dog to like walk around him a little bit, and she wouldn't have it, so I threw a pork chop bone down by him. And she went over there and she started chewing on this pork chop bone, and I I turned my back and I looked, looked and did, did something, came back with like dessert, and uh, the bone was gone. She'd eaten it whole.
5: Jesus. Yeah, and about 30 minutes later, they yes. left. <laughs> yes,
2: yes.
5: Pork has a remarkable effect on Boston Terriers. Yeah. Any kind of pork. Yeah. Ham scraps, pork chop scraps, one thing and another. Yeah. That's time. Uh, you want to give it to them in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not not at night. Uh, yeah. No. New.
0: Yeah. The other, the other uh, little-known fact about Boston Terriers is, there has never been a Boston Terrier who has walked the face of the earth that did not sleep in their owner's bed at night under the covers. They almost always figure out a way to get into your bed. Uh, I
5: know that to be true in my household. Yeah.
0: And we, uh, when we first got our first one we didn't know anything about the breed but we had all these rules we were going to stick to oh yeah Yeah, and uh (laughs) finally i mean they just wear you down and it took her we got her in like may and it took her until october until we
5: finally gave up you're really stubborn yeah well you are really stubborn usually it takes them about a week yeah (laughs) they're persistent (laughs) yeah you know, it's interesting. They, supposedly they were bred as companion dogs.
0: Uh-huh.
5: And I always said, well, if you substitute the word pest for <laughs> companion, I'll go for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, um, I always say that a dog earns a, its food doing two things being always glad to see you. Yeah. And occasionally being unbearably cute. Yeah. And Boston's managed the cute part almost as well as they do to always being glad to see him. Yeah, that's
0: a good breed. It's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. They don't bark and they don't shed. How can you go wrong?
5: There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, anything else on your mind? Well, um, not, well, I got a lot on the mind, but probably not a whole lot that your, your listeners would like to hear about. <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, every yeah. once in a while we'll do a politi-
0: political segment, but I always have to warn them ahead of time because yeah. some of them want to tune out. because uh, we have a pretty diverse audience, as you might imagine. Yes. Yes. So for a while, I we would just launch into something, some tirade, and then go back to talking about knives, and people got annoyed. So now, if, if it looks like it's going to go that way, I'll say stop, we can talk about this at the end. And then I'll give them plenty of warning. You know? <laughs> I say, "Listen, you guys need to just tune out." Uh, you know, but we do uh, get a little heated on there sometimes. A lot of um, times, I'll have to like bleep stuff out. And uh-huh. There's whole, there's whole, there's been whole hours of
5: conversation that mm, they just got cut. <laughs> so, yeah. I'll tell you it's been a great pleasure. Yeah. And, uh you know it's always good to see you and uh and it's always good to have you in the kitchen. Yeah, it's you're damn
0: damn useful. It's a pleasure to to be a sous chef to a real cordon bleu chef. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. I get to I I enjoy the kitchen and every time I cook with you I learn something. So,
2: well oh, good.
0: Yeah, it's good. fun. Yeah. Good.
5: You must be paying much more careful attention than I do.
0: Yeah. No, like, I, I, I I watch what you're doing and I,
5: I pay attention. Yeah. So yeah, we had a we had some good meals this time. Oh yeah. I'll tell you that that, that spit cooking makes for the best outdoor meals. Yeah. You know, there's just something about good, honest meat on a spit.
0: Yep. Yeah.
5: And we did the well, we did the, the, the beef uh, fry, Friday night. <coughs> now, uh, kind of settled in to be beef roasts uh, uh-huh. on us on a on a stick, <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> that garlic, thyme, and lemon and butter stuffed uh, pork loin seems to go over very well.
0: Yeah, it's really good. <clears throat> uh, so James Noka and I. Uh, I was up there a few weeks ago house hunting, and I did end up finding a house. the closed on the 11th. But uh, I was up there house hunting a few weeks ago, and he, he decided he was going to do a pork thing. But So what we did was we took uh, and did the pork like we opened it mm-hmm. and then uh, stuffed it with uh, cherries. And uh, feta cheese, and then I put I snuck garlic in there. He didn't know about that, and uh, salt and pepper. And Then wrapped it in butcher twine. But then as we were cooking it, I basted it with maple syrup every now and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it ended up uh, <clears throat> being pretty tasty. I
5: bet that was damn good. Yeah. Well, the, and the cherries were dried cherries, like the yeah, Michigan sure. Yeah. It was it was pretty good. We tell you what, next time uh-huh. soak the cherries in pork. For a day before you put them in there.
0: Yeah, port wine. You mean? Yeah, or, yeah. Oof.
5: Yeah, that'd be good. We'll have to try that.
0: Thanks for the tip. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So thanks for being on. And uh, can I get a maybe from you that when when uh, when it's okay to announce it, you'll uh, let us
5: say it? The, sure. Okay. Maybe. a maybe. Maybe. For, All right, good enough because that'll be fun. Yeah, because you've been a yeah, be fun. Okay. All right, and
0: uh, thanks for being on the podcast, and we'll look forward to the next time you're on. Always a pleasure.
1: All right, okay, so. so that was great. That was great interviews, and uh, we'll have some more in the near future with some other knife makers. And so yep. for now, we're going to sign off, and we you can contact us at uh, uh, podcast at knifejournal. com. You can uh, search for us on the on the web at or hit us up on the web at um, knifejournal. dot com. Is a forum section there you can. Uh, like us on Facebook. You can hit us up as friends as K.R. Verstig or James Noka on Facebook. And what do you think?
0: Sounds pretty good to me. When are you yeah. gonna do another giveaway?
1: Uh, actually I am working on one right now, a big one. So
0: Okay. Maybe we can announce great. it one of these times.
1: Yep, next Not next next, show. next next show. Okay. Next show I'll have something to give away. All right. All right. So remember, guys, keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper, and we'll catch you next time. Yep. Bye. Bye.